Hello, is this on? It is. Hi, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Now I can see you. Good to see you. Sorry, I should have finished this before I got up here. There we go. All right. What to do? Well, hey, if we've never met before, my name is Jordan. I, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard Northwest. I work uh, predominantly with uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers in our youth ministry student revival. Um, and sometimes they let me out of the basement to come up and see you guys. Um, that's a joke. They, yeah, sorry. Um, what a powerful service so far, huh? Like, God's just like doing stuff. He's here. He's, he's present. Um, yeah, just really excited for, for how he's moving among us this morning. Um, before I get into my message, I'm going to do something that's like a little bit illegal, and I'm going to like sneak in an extra announcement that I felt like was really important for you guys to hear. We, um, our conference, Kingdom Pursuit, is coming up this fall. Everyone excited for that? Yes, a couple of you. Like four people in this section are really hyped for it, which is wonderful. Um, there's not going to be a slide for this at all, but I just wanted you to know, early, so early registration is open right now, and today is the last day to get the exclusive Vineyard Northwest family discount. Um, the early registration price is $79, but if you register with this code EXCLUSIVE22, it's a promo code, you'll get $14 off your registration, and I'd love to have all of you do that. But that code expires uh, at 11.59 tonight. So if you're interested in that, make sure to do that. We'd love to have you there. Um, all right, so anyway, name's Jordan. Cool, good to see you guys. Um, we are in this series called Following the King, and we've been doing it for a while. And uh, about three weeks ago or so, we started kind of like section two of Following the King. In this series, we're going uh, you know, verse by verse through the book of Matthew. It's going to take years. It's going to be amazing. Um, I feel like that's like a first service kind of thing that you guys are probably pretty excited about, which I, I, um, I'm, yeah, you guys are my people. I'm excited about it too. Um, and you guys laugh at my jokes like second service doesn't. So um, don't tell them, but I like you more. Anyway, uh, so section two is uh, this portion of the Bible uh, in, in the book of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so I'm, I'm continuing uh, in that today. So my title for today, if you're a note taker and you want to put this at the top, is called, What Will You Fall For? What Will You Fall For? So my text for today is Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. If you're a follow alonger in your Bible, you can open there with me. And we're just going to start right in there. It'll also be on the screen, which is a wonderful way to follow along as well. And we've been kind of experimenting with this thing where we have everyone like stand up while we read the text. So in a second, um, we're going to do that. And, and so we're kind of doing that as like a way to kind of like just kind of shake off the Oh, I normally just kind of sit and listen and am talked at, but like it, it allows us to kind of like participate with the message and to kind of like rearrange our focus um, to, and, and kind of set our hearts on what we're talking about. So uh, would you join me and, and stand as I read this to you? You don't have to read along, but you are more than welcome to. So Matthew 5, 
verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, you may be seated. Shoot, you, like a bunch of you read along. That was like kind of unexpected. I was kind of like thrown off there for a second. But um, anybody here ever seen the musical Hamilton? Yeah, a couple fans. Can I get a woo for fans of Hamilton? Yeah, there's a, a number of people here at the church that are like, overly obsessed with it. I am not one, but I'm friends with a bunch of them. So um, I like it. I don't have every word memorized like Tyler Brown does. Um, <laughs> but if you're, if you're not familiar uh, with Hamilton, it's this musical that's like, it's like really creative. The entire thing is a, like a continuous rap, essentially. There's like no downtime. There's no dialogue. It's all um, it's all singing and rapping, um, and it's, it's about the life of Alexander Hamilton, who's um, among the founding fathers of our nation. Um, and in this musical, um, there's another really important guy in the history of America that's in it. His name's Aaron Burr. Um, they're both like these historical figures um, in the history of the American Revolution. And the first interaction between the two kind of like gets its own like special little song um, at the, near the beginning of the show. Um, and, and this first interaction, it depicts the start of like a lifelong rivalry between the two. It's kind of like, you kind of see the seeds of like, these guys don't get along right at the beginning. Um, and then ultimately, if you're familiar with history, um, that rivalry leads to Hamilton's death later in his life, which, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but also, can you really spoil history? I don't know. Um, but how exciting, and Aaron Burr, um, at one point, is our vice president in the United States, and he murders another founding father in a duel. That's, you know, sorry, that's not for church. Anyway, um, so here's that, here's that depiction that's interacted, or that here is, here's how it's depicted in the musical. Aaron Burr says, and I'm not going to sing it to you, sorry. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, it's like a two-part thing, and Hamilton's not here, and also I don't really want to be Aaron Burr, so. But anyway, so Aaron Burr says, while we're talking, let me offer you some free advice. Talk less, smile more. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. Hamilton interjects, you can't be serious. And Aaron Burr says, you want to get ahead? Hamilton says, yes. Aaron says, fools who run their mouths off wind up dead. Now, quick disclaimer, I am not a historian. I, I love history. I know almost nothing about it. Um, much of my knowledge of this thing comes from this musical and like a little tiny bit that I've read outside of it. So if you're like a history buff, you can rebuke me later. Um, don't do it right now. But um, 
Hamilton kind of viewed Aaron Burr as a man without principles. He believed that Burr was more focused on self-preservation and self-advancement rather than like the advancement of a cause. He seemed to find it infuriating that Burr was content to join whichever team was winning in order to get ahead in life. Um, and, 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 And he just had little regard for standing for anything. And so a, a, a song or so later, um, Hamilton and Aaron Burr still interacting, and another line from the musical, Hamilton challenges, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? He sees this lack of principles, this lack of conviction uh, or values as useless. Burr is concerned with nothing but personal and professional advancement and and gaining power for himself um, rather than standing for something he believes in. And he's definitely not concerned with standing for something he's willing to die for. And that idea of having something we're willing to not just stand for but fall for takes us right into the Sermon on the Mount. And right into the passage that we just read, because Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with these Beatitudes. We just spent three weeks uh, going through them. And these Beatitudes, as we discussed, they're like the value statements for citizens of the kingdom. They are, um, they're like our guiding principles for people who follow Jesus. And, and as we said, these are not, and, and these are not how you get into the kingdom by like, like if you do these things, if you live by this set of values, then you're in. And in fact, most of the Sermon on the Mount has, is, is not about how to get into relationship with Jesus, but it's about how to live for those who are already in relationship with Jesus. And so um, the, these are like, like the value statements for those who, are com- who have committed their lives to following the king. And they're kind of upside down and backwards and, and, and weird, and they're not really what you'd expect like a king to say, like, this is what it looks like to be part of my kingdom. They don't look like the values that like a, a king that we would see in history would hold. Um, they're, they're really not what's celebrated in the world at all. You know, if you were like standing here, if, if Jesus were standing here and he were sharing these values and you were just like totally not familiar with, with following Jesus or the Bible or anything, and he said things like, blessed are the merciful, you might be like kind of scratching your head like, no, like blessed are the ruthless. <laughs> they get ahead, right? Blessed are the peacemakers? No. Blessed are those who, who fight for their way because they get what they want. Blessed are the persecuted. What? That's insane. No, 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 no. Blessed are those who don't stand out, who pick the winning side, because they won't draw attention to themselves. They'll avoid suffering. And so, like, like I think, like, a similar response was probably happening from these hearers of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. As they're hearing these, these beatitudes, they're probably scratching their head, thinking, how can I be blessed if I'm persecuted? Like, all, like, no one else thinks like that. If I did that, I would, I would just totally stand out. I would look unlike everybody else. I would be like, 
I'd be like light. <laughs> um, Aaron Burr probably would not be a big fan of this value system. <laughs> if he was like committed to following Jesus, is like, wait a second, I have to pick a side? Wait, I have to stand out? Following you looks like being unlike anybody else? And then as though Jesus saw that thought process coming, like he, he, he kind of shares these upside down backwards values and then it's like he anticipated it knowing that people were thinking, I'll stand out if I do that. He like, he goes into this discourse comparing those who live by the values of the kingdom to things on the earth that stand out compared to everything else around them. You know, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt stands out. Like you can, when there's too much salt in your food, you can tell. When there's not enough salt in your food, you can tell, right? It, it, it has a distinct taste. Um, light is literally unavoidable. <laughs> if, it's, if it's around you, you see it. it. It lights everything. Like you can see me right now because of light. Um, and and he's, so he says, here are the values of the kingdom. You stand out. You taste different. You look different from everyone else around you, and they ought to be able to see it. And, and he's not saying this just for the sake of standing out, but that followers of Jesus have a, a distinct and important purpose on the earth, that in our standing out, in our saltiness and, and light, lighthood, we serve an essential purpose in the kingdom. This morning, to, to illustrate it, I thought about wearing a, uh, like a parka or like a winter coat or something because like everybody else here is like in t-shirts and shorts because it's been 80 degrees all week and I was like, I'd stand out. This is like what you're supposed to look like but then I thought about how much I'd sweat and just thought, <laughs> it's not worth it. So let's talk about salt for a second. Verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So, like a, a word on salt in the ancient world, it, salt like served many purposes, like it does now. Like we have so many things that we use salt for. It's not just um, for seasoning. Living in Ohio, we like probably all use it um, on our driveways or, or our sidewalks in the winter, and, and it kind of melts the ice, and, 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 you know, we use it for things. But salt was really, um, it was literally valuable. Uh, if you've ever heard the phrase, um, they're worth their salt, that's actually, that actually comes from ancient Rome, where they valued salt so highly, sometimes their soldiers would, like, be paid in part with salt. So, so it was, like, this thing of, like, value, that it was, like, it was so important that, like, we will give you this as a portion of your pay, right? Um, salt also, um, I mean, it, in ancient times, preserves, I mean, still does, but, uh, but prior to refrigeration, that's how you kept meat from rotting and from spoiling. Um, it enabled things to, to last longer. Um, it, you know, it, just like in our lives as followers of Jesus, like we have this preserving effect on the world that, that one, as people who live by the kingdom, we're kind of like preserving the kingdom on the earth and, and not just preserving, but expanding and, and, and kind of like establishing 
God's way, but then also on like a smaller level in our, our one-to-one relationships or, or uh, with, with people that we're connected to, um, as, as, as salt, we have this opportunity to preserve life as, as we point to the one who, who ultimately saves and ultimately preserves for eternity, right? Another thing, salt adds flavor. Uh, you know, when you put salt in your food, you tend to like it more. I tend to feel like I can't get enough salt. But as we follow Jesus, what happens is a, a more flavorful life gets revealed to us. Because like there's this way that the world does things that it makes all these promises. And, and it says, well, if you, if you buy this, you'll be happy. If you do this thing, you'll be satisfied. If you make this much money, then you'll be content. Um, and then we do those things, say those things, go those places, make that money. And then we're like, oh, wow, I'm, I want more. I'm still not content. I'm not satisfied. But as we follow Jesus, like it, it brings out this flavor that the world is trying to offer us that we can actually be satisfied and content and fulfilled in him. But then we also get to reveal that as salt of the earth to the people around us. That it's like, hey, I, I'm living a different life. I'm living a different way than you. Um, and you seem to be less content, less satisfied, less happy, less fulfilled. I want to tell you about what helps me live that way, right? We, and, and, and as we follow Jesus, we get to give that life away to others. So then he says, um, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You know, much of the salt in Jesus' time and presently uh, was like diluted with different minerals that, that actually, when, when mixed up, would, would take the, the properties of the salt away. It would, it would diminish its saltiness. Um, I, I read that there, like much of the salt was like mined from marshes and, and these, um, and basically, so it was just not pure salt. And, and so when it's mixed, when it's diluted, um, it loses its flavor. It, it becomes chemically impure, and that's how it loses its saltiness. So for followers of Jesus, um, this statement comes right after the Beatitudes. That's the first word out of his mouth. He, he gives this list of like kind of hard, th- hard pills to swallow, essentially, if, if you're kind of new to to his teachings. They're like different and backwards and upside down. And he says, you are salt. By living this way, your purpose is to be salt of the earth, to stand out. And salt loses its flavor when it's mixed with other things. So if we're mixing our values, you know, a little mercy here, a little grudge holding here, a little peacemaking, a little combative nature, over time, as we like kind of live in multiple value systems and, and through different worldviews that don't line up with the way of Jesus, um, it's going to dilute our saltiness. It will, um, will result in a lack of salt. And, and so, you know, the Christian life loses its purpose on the earth when we become too mixed with the value system of the world. And I'm not talking about where we spend our time or who we spend our time with. You know, salt sitting unused in a cabinet is just as unusable, as worthless as unsalty salt, right? 
I'm talking about what we allow to be our guiding principles for life, what we allow to shape the way that we view the world. Um, if our value system becomes too diluted by any way of thinking other than the way of Jesus, we'll just lose our saltiness. And as followers of Jesus, we have to stand out. If we don't, what's the purpose? Whereas unsalty salt, it's just it's useless. Now, I think the good news is, is that while we are compared to salt, we aren't physically salt. <laughs> and I think that this is probably why Jesus uses salt and light um, as examples here, uh, because it seems like this metaphor kind of runs into a place where it's like, well, once you've lost your flavor, how can it be restored? Um, which is like very cryptic and, and, and true. Real salt can't really be restored. But in losing your saltiness, you may fall out of favor with a person or a group of people. Um, you, you might like, I think like the Christian word is like compromise your witness, right? That thing some of us did on Facebook during COVID. Um, just kidding, sorry. All right, I won't say that second service. Um, that's what happens when you don't follow your notes. Um, you might fall out of favor with people. Like, and, but the wonderful thing about Jesus, the good news is, is that as you follow him, your purpose can totally be restored in him. Like, like he can re-salt your life. Um, and, and yeah, you might fall out of favor with one or two people or, or, or whatever that looks like, um, but he can always reestablish you in the purpose that he created you for. Um, so the next, next section, he says, uh, verses 14 to 15, you are the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So light, it does several things, um, more than I'm probably gonna list here first. I mean, one thing, light just like attracts your eye, right? Like if you ever like, during Christmas time, you're driving down the street and every house is dark and then you see those like real go-getters in the neighborhood that live right across the street from you so you have to buy a, um, light deflecting blinds so that you can sleep at night. You know the one I'm talking about? You can't help but look at it. And sometimes you like to look at it and by December 3rd, it's, you're kind of like, okay, can we put them all away? I love Christmas. But anyway, um, when you see the lights, you look at them. Um, in the same way, the idea as we follow Jesus is that like we're supposed to stand out the way light does. That when people see your life, they see the, the things you do, the, the, the way you treat your kids and your, your family, the, the way that you do life different, like they're going to want to look. It illuminates and, and, it, and it guides. You know, in a home, if you want to see at night, you turn the lights on so that you're able to like function, not in darkness, right? Um, if, if you've ever like walked outside, um, I remember uh, right after Kingdom Pursuit two years ago, I got home and it's like 11 o'clock at night and my dog had like escaped. And, and I'm like walking all over the neighborhood and it's like pitch black and I've got my phone light out. And I'm like, I'm looking in every yard and like walking down this like creepy, dark, wooded path in the middle of the night that I'm like, be a man, Jordan. You're probably bigger than anybody that's in these woods anyway. Hopefully you can at least run faster than them. Um, and I'm like using my light to like show me where to go, right? 
Um, so light, like it, it helps us navigate dark places. And Christians ought to be this light to those around us, pointing the way to the Father, opening eyes of people's hearts to Jesus, to, to the, the power of his love, that, that we, like, we're all kind of walking around in darkness until we, until we encounter Jesus, and then suddenly things start to kind of make more sense, and, and things get illuminated to us, and we get to participate with him as, as lights to, to people to guide and, and, and show them the way to the Father. And also, light, it brings hope. You know, I've heard it described about this passage when he talks about a city set on a hill where it's like, you know, imagine that you're like this, you know, first century traveler and maybe you like miscalculated somehow and you thought, I'll be to the city before the sun goes down so I'm just not gonna camp for the night and you just keep going but then it's dark and you're not quite there yet and, and I'd imagine that in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, it's probably really scary and dark and like what, you know, what's out here? What's gonna like, are there other people? Are there other things? Are they trying to come get me? And you're, and you're just trying to get to, to your destination. And it's like you're in the pitch black, but then as you crest a hill, you see in the distance the light of a city. And suddenly you're filled with hope. You're like, There's a, that's where I'm going. There's a destination in, in my mind. I, I, can, I can see what I'm going for. And, and it fills you with hope because um, you're not lost anymore. And that's like the same, that, that's like our role on the earth. It's to bring hope to people. It's like, hey, you don't have to wander in darkness. I know, like, I know the light. I know the life. You know, John 8, 12, Jesus says, or it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world, and he has made us lights with him. What a privilege. Like he, he says, this is who I am, and now as you follow me, you get to do that too. Has anybody ever had a birthday cake? Yeah? A couple of you? I don't know. You never know. Maybe birthday pie or whatever. You know like how you, uh, you light candles on birthday cakes? Uh, a couple years ago, my family decided, okay, instead of just buying the number candles now, everybody that has a birthday has to have the exact amount of candles that their age is on the cake. And, you know, like, when I turned 25, it was like, okay, that's fine. It's not like a big deal. Well, last month was my grandma's birthday. And the place that we get cakes was only selling Easter cakes. And so we had this cake that was way smaller than normal with this wonderful lady who gets way more candles than everybody else. And, uh, you know, the cake's like this size, and we're putting... M multiple tens on this, on this cake. And the thing is full. It looks like, more like a porcupine's back than an Easter egg, right? And, and the way my family does it is like, because uh, we're like a little bit impatient, it, we'll, we'll like light one of the candles and then as the rest start to get lit, someone else will grab one of the lit candles and they'll go and start lighting the other candles, right? You guys do that? So with this cake, it like got to the point where it was like, you almost didn't have to pick one up because there was so much fire that the whole thing just looked like it was on fire. There, like, in the, like, I've never seen flames so high on a birthday cake. And, uh, and it was hilarious. We started singing to her, and then everybody noticed that like, the first candles we lit were getting like, really low. 
And so everybody like progressively got faster through the whole song. And of course my family's a little bit extra. So there's two verses to happy birthday. And so we're like speeding at the end. And like this thing like looks like it's a, the whole thing's just on fire is what it looks like. Um, and, and finally grandma blows out all the candles and you can like hardly see the icing anymore. It's literally just like wax with some icing. And then you like, pull them off and like three candles will come out at once because they're all stuck together. And, and like, I mean, like the tiniest birthday candles you've ever seen. It was wild. The cake still tasted really good though. Um, but that's like what it's like to be followers of Jesus. Like he is the light. And then as we encounter him, he lights us up. And then we get to go and give that light to other people. And in this last verse, Jesus fleshes out what he means when he says, you are light. He says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So light, giving off light, that's the fruit of our lives as we follow Jesus. That's the, it's the things we do. It's the things we say. Um, it's, the, it's the way we love people. It, it's, it's when we're merciful. It's when we're peacemakers. It's when we're pure of heart. It's when we're persecuted. It's, it's, it's the fruit. It, it's, he's, he calls them, it's the good works. And the point of this whole thing is to point to the Father. It says, giving, giving, to give glory to your Father who is in heaven that they can see the work he's done in you and just be like so moved and be like, how beautiful is your God? You know, when you, have you ever seen a painting that you just look at it and you're like, how the heck did they do that? It's like, that is just insanely beautiful. Or maybe you've listened to a song that you're like, I don't know what it is, but this is just different. And it kind of moves me in a way that, that other music doesn't. And, and what we're doing as we admire these, these beautiful things that people create is that we're actually giving glory to the creators of them. Like when someone paints, uh, you know, the Mona Lisa or, or you know, whatever other famous things exist. I'm, I'm not an art person. But like when, when we look at beautiful things and we say, wow, that is, that's amazing, this person's so talented. Whoever created that, like, they're like, that's something else. I've, I've not seen things like this. We're giving glory to that artist, essentially. And, and this is the same way that we're meant to give glory to our Father. You know, paintings aren't like, yeah, I'm super beautiful. I'm just amazing. I did all this. No, like, like the point of a painting is that it's like, look what my artist did. I am the fruit of my artist. And, and, and so in the same way paintings show off the talent of an artist, we're called to show off the beauty of our Father with our lives. The things that we do, that as, we, as we demonstrate to the world how different he's made us, how much he's changed us. I love uh, this quote from Charles Spurgeon that I found and just a heads up, I'm gonna use another Spurgeon quote. It's not like I read Spurgeon. He just shows up in this commentary that I look at. So just don't think too much of me. Because um, I couldn't follow him, that's for sure. 
He says this, the object of our shining is not that men may see how good we are, nor even see us at all, but that the, they may see grace in us and God in us and cry, what a father these people must have. So as the world sees us and sees the way that we live life and sees the things that we do in the name of Jesus, which ought to be everything, that, that they would look at us and be like, I wanna know what they do. Like, I wanna know who they know. I wanna meet this father that they have. Now, often, we're not super into works. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a big thing. We're like, well, you know, I don't wanna be a, a works-based person. It's not all about works. It's not about work. Like, that, that, that was kind of like a big thing in recent years. And, and, and I'll tell you what, even though we're not super into, like, works in the church, sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater bath in this regard, that, that God's not opposed to works. In fact, our lives should have them, as he just said here. Um, it's works that we do to earn his affection and righteousness that he doesn't like. And we can never do that anyway. We could never do enough to earn right standing with him or, or to earn love from him. We just have it. And, and, it, and it's works that, that glorify ourselves. It's when we're the paintings that are like, look how awesome I am. He doesn't like that very much because it makes us God, not him. And ultimately, you know, values will influence what you do. That's like kind of a leadership principle, but like it, it's, it's, it's right here too. Values will influence what you do. So living by the value system of the kingdom will produce good works in your life. And I want to just like take a second here and, and I want you to notice that in this passage, he says, you are light, right? You are light. Not um, you're becoming light, not you will be light, not do this to be light, but he says you are this. He, he's given you this thing. As, as you follow him, he says you are light right now. And, the, the, and more our problem is that we put this light under a basket. It's not that we ever stop being light, it's that we just kind of are like, oh, don't look at my light. Let me turn it down a little bit, right? And so there's, there's nothing that we're supposed to do to be light. So maybe you've, you've thought, I need to go pray for this person to be light. I need to be the light to this person. You guys kind of heard that phrase before? And you know, probably it, it's a little semantic, the argument that I'm making, but you actually don't have to do that to be light. You just are. You do it because you're light. And, and so like when we do like, oh, I have to do this to be light, means that we're like, the other side of it is it, well, if I don't do this, I'm not light. That's not the reality. He says you are light, and now because you are light, let people see your life. Let people see your good works. It, it, it's, it's the difference of, of working uh, for 
something, those are the works that God doesn't like. Those are the ones that he's not a fan of. I have to do this because then I will be what he says I am. The works he wants from you is I'm doing this because of who he says I am. And now a lot of works there, as I kind of mentioned here, and we're going to sneak ahead um, to, uh, to Matthew 6 really quick, uh, where Jesus like almost contradicts himself. But, but works are really a matter of the heart. And in Matthew 6, 1, he says, beware of practicing your, righteous, your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So in chapter five, he's saying, hey, let people see your good works. And then in chapter six, he's like, hey, be careful when you're showing people your good works. And, and what he, he's, there, but there's a big difference here. In the first one, he says, let people see your good works that they may give glory to your Father in heaven. In, in chapter six, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. So it's not do good things so that you look better. It's do good things so people can see how amazing God is. So as we're, as we're going through this, what, what I'm seeing as we're learning to follow the king is this. As we live by the value system of his kingdom, our lives will stand out and point to our Father in heaven. As we live by the value system of his kingdom, our lives will stand out and point to our Father in heaven. And you know, I think we all want this. I, you know, maybe we struggle with it from time to time. Maybe you've been that person who's like, I've put my light under a basket. Maybe I've lost a little bit of my saltiness. But I think like if, if you're someone who's like, like I'm into Jesus, I, I'm, I'm following the king, then this is probably the cry of your heart. It's like, I just want to be a great light. <laughs> Right? Like, I, I, I want to shine the way that he's created me to shine. And, and, and he wants that for you, too. You know, if, if you know Jesus, you have everything that everybody around you needs. And, and he's so excited to work through you and, and, and do this with you. And so, as we kind of come to an end here, I want to use this other Charles Spurgeon quote that, that kind of inspired this next little section here. Um, it says this, the text says that the candle gives light to all that are in the house. Some professors give light only to part of the house. I've known women very good to all but their husbands, and these they nag from night to night so that they give no light to them. I've known husbands so often out at meetings that they neglect home, and thus their wives miss the light. So you may notice that Jesus describes his followers as light, but he also describes them as light in various places and to varying capacities. And, and, and Charles Spurgeon noted here the home is kind of the last one that he points out. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, um, but lets it light the home, right? Um, and now what I'm about to present, I'm not saying this is like the whole point of what Jesus is saying with this passage. I'm just trying to use this in a way to help us kind of like visualize our role in the world. And so I'm calling these, these things the areas of being. And, and I spent way too much time this week trying to figure out what to call it and settled on this. Um, but I'm happy with it. But uh, basically, these are places that you just be. Places that you exist. They're, um, 
I think it's helpful to contextualize where to be light. And, and the scale that I'm gonna show you, it's like the scale from least to most intimate relationships, locations, tasks in life. And, 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 and I see it in the text here. So the, the first one is this kind of like global scale where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And so like, where is that? That's everywhere. That, that's uh, you know, that, that's on your work trips, that's on vacations, if you ever go on a mission trip, that's, that's when you go to the store, that's when you're interacting with strangers, if you're like, um, if, if, if in your work position you, you deal with clients and you're meeting new people, that, that's like them. It's like the, the least intimate person in your life, the, the least familiar location that you would go to, that, that like you're called to be a light there. Then the second one is kind of this regional location where he, he, he equates it to like a city on a hill where it's like this is like kind of your typical space. You're, you're like the area that you probably most frequently live. This is like your workplace. It's uh, your extended family gatherings. If you're in school, it's your, your classrooms, your lunch table, uh, sports teams. It's the parents on your kids' sports teams that you like sit outside in the blistering cold for hours, like watching them chase that soccer ball around. Um, yeah, it, it, and oh, another one, you might say, this is like your social media, that where it's like, there are people that it's like, I kind of know, it's my acquaintances, it's some of my like more distant friends, um, but people that are still able to see my life. And then uh, the, the most intimate one is like this local, it, it's, it's the lamp in the house, it's... Um, your most intimate relationships, your, your home and immediate family, it's your best friends, it's your roommates, it's those that you would say like, these are my people and like this is my place. And so the point is this, I think, that wherever you are, you are light. Whether you're sitting on the sideline of a soccer game um, or if you're in your office on Monday morning or if you're on vacation with your family, if you're out to eat, where, wherever you go, in whatever context, you are light. We represent him everywhere we go. And as followers of Jesus, our purpose is to be light at all times, uh, in all places, to all people. Now, if that feels impossible, that's because it is. <laughs> um, we are just so imperfect but the, the amazing news is that we don't have to do anything alone. It's that, that he's given us this companion, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and, 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 and counsel us and, and lead us into truth and, 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 and show us where we're, where we're falling short and encourage us to, to step into what he has next for us. Um, and, and, and it's kind of this process that gets worked out more and more as we follow the king. Um, as, as we partner with the Holy Spirit, we, we start to act more in alignment with who he says we are. As we follow him, we start to kind of lift that basket off our lamp a little bit better, right? And honestly, I think I'm pretty good at being the light in, in some of these contexts, in my local context, probably. 
uh, more so than any other. Maybe like if I were to put like a position at number two, I'd probably say it's like my global whatever. Like, I've, like I'm a little bit more comfortable talking about Jesus with strangers. Um, but then I'd say like the area that as I was preparing this, I feel like the Lord was like saying like, hey, why don't we like take some steps here was in that kind of like regional area where it's like kind of more distant friends, uh, extended family, um, my, you know, social media, whatever. Like, what if you like kind of represented me a little bit better there? And that's kind of what I felt like the Lord was inviting me into as I was preparing this. Um, and the good news is, like, as we live by this value system, as we follow him, like, we're going to get better and better at this. We're going to come more into alignment with what he has, he has said about us. And so what I want to do as we end here, it's going to be, like, slightly different than normal, is I want us to take a moment. It's going to feel really uncomfortable, maybe, in, like, near silence, where we can actually just sit and ask the Holy Spirit, um, one question, which is this. What area of being is the Lord inviting you to take the next step in to represent him to the world? And so I'll pray, and then we'll take like about 60 seconds just to sit there and, 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 and contemplate, whether you just think about it or, or you pray or whatever you do. Um, I encourage you to write it down, whatever the thing is, just what is he inviting you into next? So Holy Spirit, would you come would you speak to us? Show us what's next. Amen. I'm not sure if that was a minute. I forgot to check my watch when we started. So if that was too short, sorry. If that was too long, I looked at my watch and said, 10 more seconds will do. Um, so maybe you saw like a, a person or you saw a place in your mind or, or you, you felt like he was like, hey, why not like, like this place? Th- this is an area where you can, you can better represent me to the world. Um, Take that with you. Like, let that be your prayer prompt this week. Let that be the, the, the adventure that he's inviting you into next. Um, but I'm gonna wrap it up here. Let's, let's pray together. Prayer team, could you come down to the front as we, uh, as we do this thing? But Jesus, thank you so much for this body. Thank you for what you're doing among us. And uh, would you just guide us all? Would you light our way as we, um, as we begin to walk out this life that you've invited us to as we follow as we follow you. Amen.